if you're if you're considering baptism, then um, I'd encourage you. If you have any questions that you still need answered, come and talk to me um, soon as service is over today. And then for all, all those that are planning to be baptized, we just ask that you arrive at 12:30 at the uh, baptism location. So um, we could just talk through it again. Um, for the rest of you, Bruce invited you to come participate. What that means as far as participation is to just celebrate and kind of cheer people on and as they, as they um, take this step of obedience. Baptism is a step of obedience in the Christian life. It's not a step that saves anyone, but it's a step that communicates or announces the decision that a person has made to become a Christian. And so for us, uh, baptism is a huge point of celebration. So for those of you being baptized, they were really excited for you. And so just want to encourage you in that. We, we are wrapping up our message series called Delete today, and we're finishing up this series on our words. And um, in just a minute, I want to show you a video clip just to kind of get us started again. Um, looking today at moving in a, in a new direction. We've looked a lot about um, what to avoid, what to omit or delete from our speech and from our words. And so um, words really can sting. They can really hurt and sting. Some of the things that we um, have heard have damaged us and, and we carry with us through the years. And I want to show you a clip. I'm going to, let's pray, and then when I'm done praying, they're going to roll a clip. And you're going to see an example of some words that can really sting. So let's pray together. Father, thank you for this time and for assembling this group here. Lord, we thank you, that, uh, Father, that you're real. You're a God who you made us, Lord. Because you love us, you've um, drawn us to yourself. You created us, Lord, to relate to you. And you've even made a way for us, despite our own rebellion, Lord. You've made a way for all of us to come back to you. It's in Jesus, Lord, that we can approach you again. We thank you for that hope that we have and that we celebrate at Easter next week, Lord. And we, we want to thank you for drawing us here, Lord, for pointing out things in our lives that, that you want to help us to yield over to you. In this area of our speech, Lord, we pray Continue to give us power. Lord, help us to have the ability to focus and to listen, God, to your word as we look at it, look at it this morning. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Kevin, get upstairs right now. Why? Kevin, you're such a disease. Shut up. Kevin, upstairs. Say goodnight, Kevin. Goodnight, Kevin. Now it's for Brothers, like <laughs> we can cut it right there. Some of those... Some of those phrases, when everyone's laying into Kevin, man, those things just stick, don't they? Especially the one that the uncle gives. Look what you did, you little jerk. I've heard that, and you kind of snicker at it, but at the same time, it's like, oh, that hurts. I mean, it's, it's painful to hear the uncle deliver that blow verbally to his nephew. And, I mean, the truth is we're all guilty of saying such things, aren't we? We're all guilty of just 
letting the words fly. And we've all also felt the bitter sting of, of the tongue. We've all experienced the wounds and the we've all been cut deeply by what others have said to us about us. Um, at the same time, some of our very best days have come as a result of what other people have said to us. Sometimes it was a word of hope that people gave. Sometimes it was a word of like comfort and encouragement. Um, sometimes we start working on something and, you know, like <clears throat> we're really trying to make progress in a certain area and then someone notices the progress we've been making and they come up and they say, hey, I've noticed you're really, man, you're really serving people. I just always see you um, helping others out. When there's needs, I see you just meeting needs. And maybe that's something you've been working on consciously and really consistently and someone noticed that and just offered encouragement. Man, that probably built you up like nothing else, really. Maybe it was just appreciation. Someone saw you doing something and they said, hey, I saw you and we really appreciate the way you did that or the way you pitched in in that way. Little comments of appreciation. They just have this way of just strengthening us and lifting us up like like nothing else can. Words have this tremendous potential. And so that's why we've been looking at this, because this is an area where words can sting, but they can also really just uplift and build up. And so the Scripture has a lot to say about our words. We've primarily been looking at books in the Old Testament called the Wisdom Books, and mainly out of Proverbs. And we're going to start with this verse, Proverbs 16:23. It says, A wise man's heart guides his mouth, and his lips promote instruction. And that's at the top of your listening guide. If you'd like, you can follow along. But the wise person speaks very thoughtfully and intentionally. What they say, the wise person, when they speak, it actually helps the situation. Strengthens people. And whenever they speak, they are actually building their reputation of wisdom. There are really three areas that characterize the words of the wise. I want to look at those this morning. The first one is this. Think before you speak. This is one thing you'll find within these wisdom books is just think ahead of time before you before we open our mouth think before you speak we tend to let words just gush out of our mouths just come bubbling over the idea of gushing it has to do with bubbling over bubbling over we just kind of say what comes to our mind sometimes the tongue of the wise proverbs 15 says commends knowledge but the mouth of fool of of the fool gushes folly the many words that just bubble out of our mouths can sometimes get us into real trouble. And gushing words, according to this verse, Proverbs 15, 2, they, they mark us as, as a fool. If we just let things bubble up, our mouth actually tells on us. It's like a tattletale, according to that verse that you see right there. The, the mouth of fools gushes folly. The idea here is that certain people, they just speak in a very self-serving manner, in a very selfish way. And it just, it, it kind of tells, it tattletales. This person is actually one who's in it for themselves. They're going after their own pleasure, their own desires. And depending on what we say, we can be marked in, in, in a bad light. At the same time, gushing words also, they result in sin, we find out in Scripture. Proverbs 10:19 says, Where words are many, sin is not absent. But he who holds his tongue is wise. Sometimes the best thing we could do is just stop the flow, stop the gush. Before, we, before it comes out, clap our hands over our mouth and, and prevent ourselves from falling into sin or from choosing to cross the line. This happens a lot. If we get a group of guys together, get a group of guys together and you're hanging out and someone says something 
a little offhanded maybe. Another person's got a little bit better comment. A little more offhanded, it's just this one-upping that can happen amongst us guys. You know, we'll get together and it's, there can be this one-upping. And it's almost like in poker where people, I'll raise you that comment. i got another one for you. and I'll raise you, I'll meet your this and I'll raise you another. And it's this almost competition that can happen. Well, where words are many, sin is not absent. The same thing can happen in a group of ladies. <clears throat> Someone's talking about something or someone. And someone else hears it and it just kind of draws people in. And before we know you know, the, the lines have been crossed. So this is a reminder for us to just stop the flow. Also, gushing words damage us. He who guards his mouth and his tongue keeps himself from calamity. Most of us are going to experience, or all of us will experience, a great amount of trouble in our lives. But trouble is tied also to our words. And so we can, we can move around some trouble that we would have caused if we'd have said those words. And so it's really important for us to, to pull back, to restrain ourselves from just using every thought and communicating it. So overall, though, stopping the gush improves our reputation. When we just stop it from flowing, it improves what people think about us, improves who we are. Look at Proverbs 17. I saw this applied in my own life. Even a fool is thought wise if he keeps silent and discerning if he holds his tongue. I was recently having lunch with three professors who I highly respect from my college that I went to. I was sitting there, and then one of them that I know well came in with his colleagues, and they, they sat and joined me for lunch. And these are all people that have been teaching for 21 to 29 years. And, and uh, in their respective field, you know, they, they know it well. And they sat down, and they were kind of just finishing up a conversation about their field of, of expertise and I was thinking, man, I'm not going to say anything because I'm going to look like a fool. I'm going to look dumb if I say a whole lot. And so all I did was I just, mm, mm-hmm, mm. and I'd laugh. <laughs> <That's good. laughs> and I just laughed and nodded for most of the conversation. It really worked beautifully. They had no idea. And then the conversation turned towards religion and church, and that would have been my opportunity to just kind of, get involved. But even at that point, I realized, you know what? They've been walking with God much longer than I have. And my, my words of wisdom here are not that amazing. And so I still try to exercise some restraint right there because even a fool is thought wise if he keeps silent. You know, it kind of, it was a good, it was a good lunch. I think they walked away, you know, feeling like, man, this, they probably walked away, um, I didn't disrupt their talk, you know. One of them actually stayed for a while that I haven't talked to in a long time, and it, I held my tongue. You know, many times, though, I, I've wanted to just, let me show you what I know about this. You know, I've read something in a newspaper, or maybe it's my field of study, and I just want them to know that I can engage, or I can, maybe I'll give them something good for their upcoming lecture, you know. And so we're tempted to just do that. We're tempted to just rush in, let everybody know what we know, and start gushing. But if we'll stop it, it, it can truly improve our reputation. That's one of the things that we get, is this whole area of thinking before we speak. The second area we get as a summary of the words of the wise is this. Decide what response is fitting. The wise person, he decides what, what is the fitting response in this occasion. And there's a series of responses, and we need to learn these. We need to understand how these different ones apply. First, is this a time for silence or listening or space? 
silence. Ecclesiastes 3.7 says that there's a time to tear and a time to mend. A time to be silent. Everyone's awkward. When there's silence, we don't know what to do. We feel like uneasy, don't we? When we get in conversations, when we get in groups, if there's silence, we somebody, I hope he says something. I mean, we just get uneasy. So we break the silence and we start talking. But sometimes just sitting with someone, giving them time to think. Um, some of you are really quick. You're in a conversation, maybe you're in a even a heated conversation, and you can just think on your feet and fire back and, you know, I'm not one of those people. You put me in a situation where I'm on the spot, and I'm fumbling over my words and my responses, because I need time to process before I... I have something to say, but I need some time. And many of you are like that. You need some time. And we do a disservice to people who are in the process of coming up with a response when we just break the silence, don't we? So the Scripture says there's a time to be silent. There's also a time to listen. Proverbs 18:13. He who answers before listening, that is his folly and his shame. We've all, we all do this. I know I've done this. I cut someone off. They're in the middle of saying something, and I'll answer a question that they didn't really have because I cut them off. All because I didn't take the time to listen to them in full. Or maybe they need space. Proverbs 27:14. If a man loudly blesses his neighbor, early in the morning it will be taken as a curse. Sometimes it's okay to just give people some space. You might be an early morning person. They may not be. It's okay to just give people the space. Give them the time. And this can be applied all sorts of different ways. Sometimes it's people's anger. There's a tension. Maybe it's a fight. And maybe someone needs some time to cool down before they're ready to, to work through it with you. Again, ask the question. This is what God says. The wise person, he asks these questions. What's, what's the time for? Is it space? Is it listening? Is it silence? Or another thing is the wise person lets the other person shine. He doesn't need to be the star of every conversation. Proverbs 15.23 says, A man finds joy in giving an apt reply. That means... Sometimes we're in a conversation and um, we know the answer to something and we're ready to tell it. Someone steps in and tells it for us. And, you know, it kind of takes away the joy we would have had in that experience. It goes on and says, and how good is a timely word? We know how it feels when we can offer a good, timely word. when We have the right response. But it's easy to come in and cut people off and to not, you know, and we want to shine sometimes and so... Other people aren't shining. They're not the star. Sometimes we're just tempted to jump in because we know the answer. But the truth is people enjoy answering rightly. They don't have to know that we know the answer. We know what they're going to say. Or we know a better answer. It's okay to let the other person shine. So we have to ask again, is this a time where I just need to be silent? Let the other person shine here. Another thing is, is it a time for celebration? Scripture says that the church is, is, is instructed here in Romans 12:15 there's a series of things for the church but one of them is to rejoice rejoice with those who rejoice is it a time for celebration when others are sharing great news something you know amazing in their life has just happened and they're telling us about it they want us to celebrate with them sometimes we think I'll celebrate with the people who celebrated with me when I had good things happen in my life or if I think they deserved this then I'll celebrate with them. But if I don't think they deserve that good news or that raise or that promotion, then 
I'm not going to celebrate with it. We sometimes we withdraw celebration depending on what's going on in our head or what we have experienced in previous times. But understand this. Proverbs also says this. Even in joy, some may be sick at heart. Sometimes people are celebrating and they're grieving at the same time. Something to keep in mind while you're celebrating with people. Even in laughter, the heart may ache, it says, and joy may end in grief. Don't we're not make unwise assumptions like, isn't this the greatest day of your life? It might be a, a, a great thing, but in the midst of everything else going on in their world, it, there's still possibly a lot of pain. And so we should be really careful in celebration to not make the assumption that this is the greatest day. And there are some things, they're not on the outline, but there's some things from Scripture that we're to watch. Celebration is also not a time to instruct. When people are celebrating, it's not the time to instruct others. Like, wow, you're really lucky. You know, you really didn't deserve that promotion as much as so-and-so because you don't really do that that well. But, um, you know, good job on that. You know, Or, wow, you really owe so-and-so for putting in a good word for you. I don't know how you got that, but, you know, you owe it to that guy to... Sometimes we want to instruct on others when they're in celebration mode. That's not the time. Another thing is celebration is usually not the time to brag about your accomplishments. You know, that's great. But when I got my raise, I got an extra $2, you know. And uh, it was amazing. I was able to pay. The person's just, you've just poured, <laughs> you've just poured out their little, you know, light of, of, of joy. A light of joy. I don't know what that is. <laughs> <laughs> celebration is usually also not a time to talk tragedy. Sometimes in celebration, people are just, you know, let's say it is a promotion with a raise to go up to them and to say, you know, that's great. You're making more money. Now you can care for everybody in the world. Now you can start giving to this or that. You know, now you can show concern for these people. It's not the time to talk tragedy with people when they're in celebration. Celebration is a time to rejoice with people. They're excited. They want others to come alongside them and to share that joy with them. So we should ask that. And then also, there's also a time for sadness. Sadness. Recognize, in sadness, we need to recognize that they may experience a level of grief that cannot be shared by you. Sometimes when, when, when others are sad, we cannot identify completely with them. Proverbs 14 says, Each heart knows its own bitterness, and no one else can share its joy. Be there, but don't assume you know their exact feelings and emotions because you may have never experienced what they're going through. But be there. Weep with the one who weeps, the Scripture says in Romans 12. Again, this instruction to the church. Weep with each other. We're to, we're to come alongside each other and to comfort each other and weep with each other. Mourning with those who mourn. When people are experiencing loss, most people just want people to sit alongside them and to, to mourn with them to grieve with them, the loss that they're experiencing. We don't have to talk a lot. Probably not going to have the words that they need anyway. Someone once told me that. Don't try to come up with something amazing. Just sit down next to them. You know, I mean, and when you think about the times when you've suffered the most loss or pain or whatever, it really was just having someone by your side that helped you get, and it didn't take away the pain, but it helped you bear up under the pain to know you weren't alone. A lot of people call this the ministry of presence. This is the ministry of presence. We all have the ability to just be present in people's lives and to bring comfort. And when we do that, we're actually, we're actually showing God's love because God is 
always present with us, isn't He? And our, our God who is all present, He's omnipresent. He's always present everywhere. When we come alongside people, we're showing them the love of God. We're showing them His character, that He is always beside them. We're reminding them that God is, God is with us. He's with you. And again, it's not going to take it away magically, but it will sure help. <clears throat> there's, also, <clears throat> there's also time for tension. Tension is okay. There is tension that comes up in our life, isn't there? Sometimes someone close to us is very angry. Maybe it's your child or a friend. And in those cases where there's a lot of tension, avoid a quarrel, if at all possible. When there's tension, it's very easy to, to experience or to, yeah, to experience the anxiety and to add to it. Yeah, you should do this and that. Or you add a little fuel to the flame and, and now you've made matters a little worse. So the situation is already tense. It doesn't need any additional tension or quarrel from us. Proverbs 17:14. We looked at this verse already. But it says, starting a quarrel is like breaching a dam. So drop the matter before a dispute breaks out. It's important sometimes just to drop, the, drop it before this fight goes. And people get hurt. When the dam breaks, everything below it, towns, people, you know, people get hurt. Intention were to use gentle, pleasant, and healing words. That's what the scripture says. Pleasant words are a honeycomb, sweet to the soul and healing to the bones. So what you say in the middle of a tense moment can do a great deal to uplifting someone, to easing someone's pain. Sometimes they're about ready to blow up on someone. If you'll come alongside, depending on what you say, it's going to tip them in one direction or another. If they're ready to blow and you fuel the flame, now they're going to blow and you've taken part in that. We can say the right words, pleasant word, gentle word, healing word, and it might diffuse the situation enough to where they're, they're, they're ready to process it in the right way, maybe not blow up on someone. And so you can really help. Is it a time for corrective instruction? Another thing we ought to ask. Is this a time to correct someone? We all get off track. Every single one of us, we get off track in life. And at times, we need people to redirect us and say, hey, you're out of bounds. You're, you're living out of bounds. You're moving out of bounds. Get back in bounds. Move, move in this direction. We need that. But we still need to consider the way that we say that to people, right? It's so true. Sometimes we think, I know I can see the problem in their life. I know what they're doing wrong. I can see it clearly. But we say it in all the wrong way and it doesn't help. It shuts them off. It's like they turn down the volume. They can see our lips moving. but They can't hear what we're saying because of the way we say it. So in corrective instruction, the Scripture says, use pleasant words. Pleasant means gracious, kind. The, the wise in heart, Proverbs says, is, are called discerning. And pleasant words promote instruction. This is a key verse. Pleasant words promote instruction. I might know how to instruct someone, but if I use the wrong delivery, if I, use, if I choose the wrong words, they're most likely not going to hear it. They'll shut it off. As a parent, this is extremely important for parents. To, if you're a parent and you're parenting young ones, the goal is to, to keep their heart through the years. You know, to, to have a heart connection to your kids. And... If you parent in a gentle way, using pleasant words, there's times you need to set the boundaries and use corrective instruction. But it's imperative that we use pleasant words because harsh and critical words, long-term harsh and critical words does real damage. And you saw that in that clip. You know, look what you did, you little jerk. Kevin, you're such a disease. You know, and there's other situations that the parents said to them in the clip. And you just think, man, that 
that kid in that situation, he's not experiencing a loving and accepting environment. When he gets out of bounds, he feels like he's also stepped out of love. And that's the danger is when we are careless with the way we deliver things, when we use harsh and critical words, then people begin to question, do they really love me? Am I really accepted in this environment? We've got to heed this because boundaries communicated in the right way promote real instruction. They protect the love that we have. We want to also use words that motivate, not melt down. And there, there's, this is a skill that, that we can learn. Using motivating words. Ecclesiastes 12.11 says, The words of the wise like go as. They're collected sayings like firmly embedded nails given by one shepherd. The, the idea here is that go out was a, a sharp point of stick used to direct the animal. That shepherds would use to direct the animal. In the, in the direction he wanted them to go. So there was an intentional directing going on. And the aim of these, you know, he says here, these firmly embedded nails. The aim of the truth is to like, is to like screw a truth or plant a truth deeply into a mind. And so when we're sharing corrective instruction, it helps to think through, what do they need to hear? And then how can I say it in a way that will motivate them, that will get them moving in the right direction, not just melt them down? And sometimes we get good words, but it just so discourages us that we don't know what to do with it and we melt down. Other times we get motivated by what people have to say to us. It really builds us up, moves us in the right... It might even be hard for us to hear, but it gets us moving in the right direction. That's, I think, a skill that sometimes to improve in that, I think we get, we get some advice from others. We get coaching. You know, Sometimes we don't know what to say in those moments, but we, we see there's a need to correct some behavior, um, but we don't exactly know what God has to say about it. What I think we ought to do is take a few steps back and dig into the Scripture first before we start correcting, and then correct with some scriptural principles as we understand it. If we need advice, get advice on it. <clears throat> but those, those, all those questions there, like is it a time for silence, listening, giving, those are things that require us first to think before we speak. It builds on that first point. And we've got to engage the mind first before we open before we open our mouth. Ask these questions. And then the thirdly, the third area of the words of the wise is when you speak, bless. This is really the overall theme of this this whole series. Our words can be a real help. This is our aim, is to bless, to benefit other people. Refresh people. Proverbs ten eleven says the mouth of the righteous is a fountain of life. But violence overwhelms the mouth of the wicked. See, one gives, according to that verse, one gives and one takes away. One is a giving source where people are getting something and it's beneficial. And other one just robs people of things. It takes away, it hurts, it damages. My mentor for, for the last 12 years, he's been a person that I call and it just he gives. He's a source. He has been a source of real good to my life through the years. And when I have, sometimes my, my, my thinking will get off track. And even in correction, it will just be a source of life. Oh, this is this motivated me. It, he, he just really helped me. He, he, he saved me some pain. Or he, but we can be that. We can be a refreshment to other people. On a hot day, according to this verse, you know, this idea of the fountain of life. On a hot day, there is sometimes nothing like a cold water fountain. We're just needing to drink and be refreshed. But the truth is all of us experience hot days all the time. Life is hard, it's hot, it's difficult, it's draining. And so all of us, fairly often, we have opportunities to refresh each other. 
And we just come alongside and refresh people all day long if we'll learn how to use our words in, in the wise way. Aim to give them something valuable. The idea in this verse is giving people the very best. Read this verse. It says, the tongue of the righteous is choice silver. Basically, silver service. Basically, giving them the very best. But the heart of the wicked is of little value. One gives the most valuable. One gives something of no value. Something of of little worth. Again, we have that opportunity to give someone, to give people what is truly valuable when we speak to them in a way that just that makes them feel like, wow, I've experienced the best here. I've, I've had, this really helped. I was uh, talking to John McKenzie. He's a part of our church. He's a member of our church, and he uh, enlisted in the Army, and he is, has been in boot camp and training, and he is now officially an Army E-4 specialist, and he, which is, he is in a platoon, I think he said, of 55 guys, and it's, it's the highest ranking whatever you call it, label, in the platoon. And he's, he's 25, and there's mainly 17, 18, and 19-year-olds, he said. And it's been tough because as they've been doing their training, he said it's really difficult because it's, it's, a, it's kind of a downer of an environment. Everyone's getting yelled at. They're in bad conditions. And keeping the right attitude is really challenging, he said. In the midst of it all, it's just everyone's ag- aggravated. Everyone's down. Everyone spins everything to the negative, and so it's hard to have a positive outlook. But he says, you know, I realize I'm the oldest guy, one of the oldest guys in this platoon, and I've got to set a good example for this group. And so he says, I'm, I have been finding ways to just say something that will uplift the group or try to encourage people. And I'm like, you know, good job, John. That, that really is what God would want us to do. He wants us to, when we speak, that it would bless others. And what it's doing is it's, it's allowing for further conversations for him to encourage people, point people to God. He's been able to share his faith with other people. That's really an application of a verse in Philippians 2, verses 14 and 15. It's not up on the screen, but Paul says this. He says, Do everything without complaining or arguing so that you may become blameless and pure, children of God without fault in a crooked and depraved generation in which you shine like stars in the universe. The idea is that we live in a pretty depressing environment. It's depraved and people have a pretty negative outlook. And so the natural tendency is to, is to complain and argue. And when someone does the opposite of that, it just it stands out. It beams like a star is what this verse is saying. And that's what God is doing. God is using him to draw other people to himself. As John, this guy just tries to have a positive outlook and say things that are positive and encouraging and are refreshing as a refreshment to others. Also, we're to choose words that are a blessing. So first, your words can bless, but then we've got to choose the right ones that are a blessing first in content. Words whose meanings fit with the occasion. Ephesians 4.29, kind of a key verse for this whole message series. It says, Do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouths. Unwholesome means rotten, decaying, or worthless. Don't let those things that are rotten or worthless come out of our mouth but only what's helpful for building others up according to their needs that may benefit those who listen. Sometimes people need encouragement. Sometimes it's motivation. Sometimes people need praise. We need to figure out what, what do they need to hear? What's the content that they need to hear right now? And then secondly, what's the package that they need to hear it in? How should I package it so that it's well received? 
Use a form that's pleasing, the Scripture says. A word aptly spoken is like apples of gold in settings of silver. The word aptly means quickly. But like gold apples, this is a picture of something that's been custom made. Like gold apples set in some sort of a silver sculpture. It just obviously communicates, wow, someone put some time and effort into this. They, they put this form, they custom put this, this beautiful piece of art. Anytime we have the interaction with someone who uses the right content and then the right package, the right form, it just really it blesses us. It leaves us with something of real value. And that's the idea with this whole area of speech. To know how, how to respond in a manner that's appropriate at the right time, in the right way. I want to invite Cody to come up as we kind of wrap things up. All of this advice that we've been looking at from the Bible is, is for our own good. God has communicated all of this stuff for our good. He wants what's best for us in life. And we need to remember a few things. One is our tongue is one of the smallest yet most powerful parts of our bodies. It's one of the smallest yet most powerful parts. We've got to figure out. This thing can do tremendous good for other people. It can tremendously help those in my family. It can tremendously help my friends, my roommates, my coworkers, my classmates, even my boss, my employees. It, it, can, just, it can do so much good for them. We can lift people's spirits when they're down. We can refresh people. Some people feel destroyed in life and, and your words can just begin to edify that. The word edify in Scripture has to do with building up. Construction. It's a construction term. And that's what the, this idea is, that our words can be building people up in the right way. With our tongues, we can create families where love and acceptance can grow and people can really develop in life. In church, we can, we can come alongside people and take the time to get to know them and we can build people up in a way that they experience something different than what they experience in the world. And so I want to encourage you in this that if we'll do this, and we'll, this is something we have to, all of us, just stay after because none of us are going to magically just be transformed with our mouth. But as God changes our hearts, the overflow of that will come out of our mouth. We can really make a difference in people's lives. This can be a place that's extremely welcoming and just, again, builds people up in the right in the right way. So there are some next steps. I want to encourage you to consider taking one of these next steps. They're on the back of your connection card. Our ushers will come forward in a few moments and receive our offering. And you might want to check one of those boxes on the back of the connection card. The first is to memorize that verse, Ephesians 4.29, which says, Do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouths, but only what is helpful for building others up according to their needs, that it may benefit those who listen. This is just an opportunity for us to remember a verse that, that really would help us in the way that we talk. Secondly, pick an area of wise speech and just focus in on that area all week long. Just try to stay after it. And then the third thing to tie into what Bruce said is to invite someone to Easter service and to maybe write their name down so we can begin to pray for them and pray with you along or alongside you for them to join you for service on Sunday next, next week. Um, we're going to be looking at the resurrection of Jesus and how that, that is what our faith is wrapped up in that event the power that raised jesus from the dead is the power that can transform our very lives and so people need to hear that hope that message and so i I 
really want to encourage you to bring some people with you. Let's pray together. Father, thank you for your word. Again, we thank you for this time, and we love you. We thank you for the hope that we find in you, Lord. We all need hope. Everybody in here, God. Thank you that you loved us enough to send your son. Lord, that gives us hope. That you loved us to redeem us, to give us a way to know you. Lord, thank you for that. And we, we pray that you continue to transform us in all areas, especially this area, God. We want to use our words in a way that would bless people and leave people with, with something that really helps is, is, is building them up, God. Help us today. We need your power, Lord, at work within us to live transformed lives. Thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. In just a moment, we're going to worship the Lord with our offerings.